Hi, I'm Erwin McManus. I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I want to also bring you into some exciting things that are happening here. If you go to the Mosaic app, you will learn about our conference coming up this year, about MSC's new album and their tour across the country. And you can learn how to connect and be more involved in Mosaic in so many different ways. And by the way, we now have the Mosaic YouTube channel. And you can go access not only these talks, but other fresh and new materials that are being created specifically for that channel. And so if you want to be connected in a richer and fuller way, uh, not only be a part of the podcast, get to the Mosaic app and get to the channel. And we'll see you there. One of my favorite verses in the scriptures, well, one of my favorite books in the scriptures is Ecclesiastes. I mean, I, I love the insights of Solomon, even though sometimes I find him to be incredibly depressing and self-absorbed. But what do you expect? But there's one particular statement that he makes that I think is really important for us today. Because we're at the beginning of 2018. It's going to be a new year. It's going to be the greatest year of your life. If you don't know that yet, I want to tell you first, at the end of the year, you can say, he knew. He knew it was going to be the greatest year of my life. I want you to listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes 10.10. You know, people talk about having 2020 vision, but I think we're not expecting enough from ourselves. So here's how you can have 10-10 vision. He says, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. So I talked to you about this one verse at the beginning on the first Sunday of 2018. And I'm going to work from a basic assumption for your life. That God wants you to have the most successful year you've ever lived. I I, I know sometimes language like success and prosperity and blessing, all that can can have a a lot of baggage attached to it. But but I I want you to realize that even in the worst case scenarios in the scriptures, the stories are always about women and men who stepped into the life God created them to live in the worst and most adverse of circumstances. And if you only hear the names of people, you may forget the environments. When you hear names like Moses and Daniel and Joseph and Esther and Ruth, you, you might assume that these are the stories of the epic men and women who had everything working in their favor, not like you and me. We need to remember that these stories are the stories of men and women whose lives faced the greatest difficulties and challenges that anyone could ever imagine. Joseph was a prisoner and a slave. Daniel was a captive and a slave. Moses was an exile and a murderer. Ruth was a refugee and a widow. Esther was a sex slave taken by a foreign king to be made one of his wives or concubines. When you look through the scriptures, you need to realize the stories of the greatest lives ever lived all begin with the most difficult and unwanted circumstances ever desired. So here you are. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know how difficult your life is, but I'm going to guess you're about at least a step above Babylonian captivity. (laughs) I'm going to guess you have a better opportunity 
to begin the best year of your life than Joseph did, spending years and years in prison. Or Moses did, running for his life after he killed an Egyptian. Or Esther did, after she was taken by a king who worshipped a foreign god who she did not love. Or Ruth, after her husband was dead. She had no future to hope for. And so if God can take these people in these circumstances, facing this kind of moment, and give them a story of blessing and prosperity and success, how much more should you or I expect that good things are going to happen this year? But I think sometimes we want God just to drop success on our lap, rather than give us the opportunity to take on an opportunity to do something meaningful, successful, and extraordinary. That's why I love these words from Solomon, because they they deal with the reality of hard work. Let me tell you, of all the different jobs I've had, being a lumberjack was a hard one. It was hard work cutting down trees. And if you work as a lumberjack, you realize that you don't get to cut down the small trees. You have to leave the small trees alone. You have to go after the big trees. And you might spend hours, if not the entire day, working at one tree. Because the bigger the tree, the greater the challenge. Because if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. So just for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the assumption that God wants to bring success into your life. I was actually astonished when I listened to this one particular pastor who I asked, I said, how is it that you have so many people of affluence in your church? He goes, when we started, we didn't have any, then we had one. And, and then when we had one, I thought, if we have one, we can have more than one. And God said, nah, it's not going to work that way for you. He actually told me the story. He said, God gave us one. And then he said, now you need to raise up the rest of them. Because from this one, he's going to teach you principles of how he achieves success. See, I'm convinced that that the future that God wants to usher in through us together is going to happen as all of us elevate our game. And decide that we're going to become the best of the best at whatever we do. So I don't know what your particular passion is, your focus is, what your arena is, what your discipline is, what your vocation is, what your skill set is, what your education is. But I don't need to know any of that. What I need to know from you, what I want to know from you, is are you willing to do the work of being the very best in the world of what you do? And then, you know, you have no control. Someone could be better than you born in Iceland today. So don't even factor that in. Don't even factor, well, I'm going to be the best in the world. Do you have the ambition, the determination, the resolve to be the best that you can be in the world right now? Because it's a strange thing when you focus not on what other people do or who they are or what they accomplish or how much talent they have, but when you focus on taking responsibility for what God has entrusted with you, it's amazing how much God can do in a person's life. If the axe is dull, so my opening thought to, to you today is, what is your axe? What, what is the thing that God has placed in your hands that God is entrusting you to do something significant with? What is your axe? What, what is it that God has called you to step into this year? As you're going into 2018, are you going in just sort of going, well, I hope something good happens, or are you going in, I'm going to make something good happen? 
Because I find that God has an amazing way of infusing strength into a person who has intention. But it's very difficult for God to work with someone who doesn't know what they're doing and why they're doing it. What are you trying to cut down? What are you trying to be great at? A lot of people ask me, well, how do you get good at this? No, no, I'm sorry. I got the question wrong. They never ask me that. They always ask me, how do I become successful at this? Like, how do I get my books published rather than how do I become a good writer? I almost never have anyone ask me, how do I become a good writer? I always have people asking me, how do I get published? I have people ask me, how can I get on, how can I become a communicator? Not, how can I become a greater communicator? Or how can I become an average one? How can I become at least better than I am? See, what I find is interesting is we want the outcome of a great skill, but we don't want the journey toward that great skill. So the question is, what's your ax? What is it God has put in your hand? See, I don't know what your talent is. I don't know what your gifting is. I don't know what it is that's on your heart, that's actually on your life. But I do know this. Even if you were born, if you were created, whether you believe in God just giving you the talent or you are a genetic anomaly, you should be thanking your parents. Or a combination of both. Whatever resulted in putting the potential of extraordinary inside of you, it will not happen if you don't take the act and start striking. If you don't do the work to become great. What is your act? What is the thing that you have been taking on? And and I think it it can be in so many different arenas of life. I think sometimes our, our, our act is I need to become a better husband. I just need to become a better man. Sometimes your act is, I just need to be a better wife. I need to be a better human being. So for some of you, your act needs to be, I need to be a better parent. I'm just a lousy parent. I've talked to so many people who talk to me about how bad their parents were. Now, maybe they have skewed perspectives, but one of the things I try to remind them is, your parents are humans. The the only difference, you see, it's not that they were just bad parents. They They were just probably bad humans. Better relationships. Because you know, we're not always that good at doing what we're supposed to be good at. We're not that good at being human. The problem with children is that they don't get a choice whether they're going to be your friend or not. They have a relationship with you whether they like it or not. So instead of putting it on the kids, maybe we should just try to be better humans. Like be better parents, learn how to have better relationships, how to listen more, how to care more, how to be more empathetic, more compassionate. Forget how you're going to impact the world. What about your acts as a human, as a husband, a wife, a father, a friend? What's the acts that you have been entrusted with? What has God given you that you're supposed to become the best at right now? Wouldn't it be amazing if we just say 2018 is the year where whatever's in my hands, I'm not going to take it for granted. Whatever's in my hands, I'm going to do the hard work of being the very best in the world that I can be. Whatever's in my hands, whatever's been entrusted to me, some of you have influence. What are you doing with that influence? You have a company. What are you doing with the company? And, and, and this drives me crazy when I hear people who graduate from UCLA or USC or, some, or Berkeley, some of the best schools in the world. And I go, what do you want to do with your life? And you go, you mean to pay the bills? No! <laughs> if you're just going to pay the bills, why did you waste all that tuition? You're just trying to avoid employment? 
The only reason to get so educated is so that you could do more than just pay the bills, but do something to make the world better, to help other people pay their bills. <laughs> but if the axe is dull, you're going to have some problems. And so, the, isn't it okay? When you're cutting something, you're going to need to check the axe. So, what's your axe? But you need to look at how big's your tree. What are you going at this year? What's your ambition? I, I, I want to just throw something out. Maybe, just maybe, you should actually establish a strategy for becoming successful. Like, not just hope that something will happen, but actually decide, all right, I'm going to do things Monday through Friday that will make an, a, a dramatic difference in the future I live. Like, stop accepting things as they are. I mean, I'm just going to be real practical today. Some of you, you need to actually go, ah, I want to be better at my job. I want that promotion. And so I don't want to just feel like I'm not being seen. I want to be the best employee so that I have to be seen. Some of you, you need to start your own businesses. You need to start your own company. You need to take a huge risk and go, I'm going to create something that will make the world better. I'm going to create something that will generate more wealth. I'm going to create something that will create more jobs for more people. We need to stop asking the government to solve all the problems for us. We need to solve some of the problems for ourselves. And I don't know if you can see, but we're, if we're dependent on Washington, we're, we're going to be in trouble for a while. You see... I wonder what your tree is, because there's some of you, you have a tree God's trying to get you to chop down. You ever felt like God's not letting you move on? Like you're trying to get to the next big thing, but you haven't actually dealt with this big thing? See, if God has given you a big task, a big mission, if God's given you a big tree, you need to realize that God's not going to give you the next tree until you deal with this one. So I started thinking about the idea of continuous repetition. That there's some things in your life that you should not be surprised you're going to have to do. Like for me, I shouldn't be surprised I have to speak today. Right? I mean, last night I wasn't going, oh no! I have to speak. I didn't know, I didn't know, I wasn't expecting it. See, if I'm not good at what I do, it's on me. Because I knew. I knew last week I was going to be doing this. This week or pretty, most likely next week. Maybe even like the week after that. Do you know how hard it is to keep writing, creating new talks for you? I don't even know if you appreciate the kind of shuffling I do around here. But when people want to be great at something, they don't want to do the stuff behind the scenes that gets you good at what you do. And I spent so many years of my life just pouring into the scriptures. I, I, I don't even know how many hours I have just spent reflecting and reflecting on what is written in this book. How many endless hours of my life I spent on the floor listening to the voice of God, trying to hear God speak to me so that I would have something to say to you. How much of my life I've studied psychology, anthropology, sociology, archaeology, all the different ologies that are out there trying to weave together something meaningful so that it doesn't sound like it's disconnected from reality and to help you see the scriptures in a way that makes sense for your life. Do you know that doesn't come easy? I just thought I'd let you know that. This is not what my talk's about. 
But you got to ask yourself, what tree are you trying to cut down? I'm trying to cut down a tree that a person who doesn't believe in God can actually see that the scriptures are relevant for their lives. See, I'm trying to cut down a big tree where people who think they're too smart to believe would realize that the most brilliant thing to do is to trust Jesus with your life. Where There's a big tree that we're trying to cut down. And, and I, I was sharing a little of my frustration because it's like, it, it's easy to spew out words. It's hard to unwrap things that make sense for people. And, there has, and there's continuous repetition. Ask yourself, what are the things in your life that you seem to be destined to face over and over again? Because it's a part of the way you're created. See, I know I'm always going to be writing, so I need to get better and better as a writer. I shouldn't be surprised by that. I know that one day I'm going to be an Olympic table tennis champion. And so I, I, I know one day the Warriors are going to pick me up because they're going to need another three-point shooter. So I, I got to keep working on that. What's my tree? Oh, yeah, there's some things you just do for fun. But there's some things you need to do as if your life depended on it. Or lives of other people. So what's your axe? What's your tree? And how sharp is your edge? If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. Have you ever felt yourself working really hard and getting, making little progress? So this is what Solomon's really talking about. When you develop a skill, when you develop an expertise, when you make the commitment to live a life at the highest capacity, when you decide to become the best that you can be, the things that you're talented to do actually become easier, not harder. But if you don't take time to develop the skills, to refine your talents, to grow in the person you can become, it will get harder and harder and harder. There's some of you, you're wasting so much energy doing the same thing the wrong way. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. So I started wondering, what, what, what does it look like to sharpen an edge? Because, you know, one, one of the kind of counterintuitive things is that the way you sharpen an edge, it looks like you could actually be, like, damaging the edge. Because... You, it requires massive amounts of friction on something pretty powerful to sharpen the edge of an axe, just like the edge of a knife. And I wonder how many times we are actually so cautious to fail that we don't even realize we're not refining our edge. See, the only way you can stay sharp is by doing the hard work of failing. I'm convinced of this. If you're not failing, your edge is dull. There's some things I never fail at. I'm really, like I got this down. Brushing my teeth, boom. (laughs) Never fail. I don't go, oh! You ever do like damage? Oh, man, I missed. (laughs) You know? Like I, I I have that one down. I'm really great at showering. I mean, I've had a few accidents, but, but that, that's not, we don't even talk about that. And, uh, but there's some things that you just, you don't, don't fail at very much, right? But there's some things in your life that are just easy now. You're just good at it. Some of you are cooks. There's some things you just know. You just, you just know how to make those things. But, but if you expand outside of what you know, 
Now you have the risk of messing up. I was asked recently in an interview, what is like one of the greater like millennial challenges? And when you look at like the millennial culture and the way sociologists are talking about this, this generation that uh, is emerging right now, one of the great struggles is perfectionism. And what, what, what is one of the great dangers of perfectionism is that it leads to a fear of failure. And so it leads to a paralysis where you never take a risk. Because you want to know where, what will prove you're not perfect? Anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, you thought it was a really profound answer. <laughs> See, you're not perfect, so if you do anything, it will prove you're not perfect. So the only way to be able to sustain the illusion of perfectionism is to do nothing. And so you end up with a culture of paralysis. See, some of you just need to get comfortable with being bad at something. And this is the advice I always give people as writers. The only way you're going to ever be a good writer is to be willing to be a bad writer. You cannot write a good sentence if you don't write a bad sentence. In fact, you have to write like a hundred bad sentences to find the good sentence. I start writing a book, and, and it takes a while before the book actually loves me. <laughs> Forget me loving it. it. It takes a long time to process things and struggle through. I think that's when people talk about writer's block. You know what writer's block is? I hate what I'm thinking. I hate what I would write. I don't even want to read this. That's writer's block. Writer's block is a fear to put down something that's inside of you that reflects you poorly. Because I can write... See, spot, run. Boom, car. See, now it's a suspense novel and or a horror film. It's not hard to write. You have to be willing to do something. And there's some of you here, you're just trapped in perfectionism. You're so afraid to fail. And, and you know what I want? I want a culture here in our community where we destroy perfectionism. Where we don't have to do everything the way everyone says we need to do it. Where every shoe doesn't have to match. Where everything doesn't have to be exactly the same. I walked in today and Kim goes, you're wearing two different shoes. You're wearing two different shoes. She's saying this to me as if I didn't know. I said, I know. I said, oh no. No, I have another pair. Almost like them at home. See, a huge part of our problem is we worry too much about what other people will say and what other people think. And so because of that, we do not achieve our greatness or discover our greatness, do not move into our success because we have too many people speaking to us, hate into our lives while we're failing. Let me tell you. Let me tell you one of the most destructive things of social media is that people who are trapped in the perfectionism spend their time criticizing other people for their failures. And, yeah, I don't know if we should applaud that. We should go, but, right? See, because it's, it's it, I, I did a Q&A. I do, I do Q&As on Twitter every once in a while, and so I was sick. I wasn't allowed to go outside. My wife would let me go play with the other boys. And uh, so I was trapped at home, but she did make me do housework. I now know you can do housework when you're sick, but you can't play basketball. And not that I'm bitter, but I just learned that this week. So I did a little Q&A on Twitter since I was trapped in the house. I thought I'd engage the outside world. And immediately someone asks me, I'm just going to say point blank, you know, what do you think of Rob Bell? I don't know if you know Rob Bell. He's a theologian, philosopher, thinker, artist, 
I've known Rob since he was young, and, and I said, I love Rob Bell. He's my friend. And, and, and then they started like, well, yeah, but what do you think about this, this? And I'm like, you know, I think you should always read people that you disagree with so that you can actually grow as a human being. And then I get another response back going, yeah, but will you tell us where you disagree with him? I go, no. And then finally somebody goes, this is why I love Irwin McManus. And, and I realized, like, we're all, if we're not careful, we're all going to become bottom dwellers spending our entire lives criticizing each other rather than actually encouraging each other. Let me tell you who's going to criticize you for hitting the ax against the tree wrong. The person sitting there watching you doing nothing with their life. And, and so I want it to be a place where people are up here singing and, and, and they're still learning how to get the notes right. I want it to be a place where people are up here, you know, communicating. They're still learning how to get their, 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 their sea legs for communication. I want it to be a place where, you know, everyone can risk. You can just learn how to be human. This is, this is what people desperately need, not just in the building, but in the community. They, they need to have friends in their life. They can say, I just messed up, and you go, that's okay, because we're all messing up together. We're just going to keep moving forward together. Do not be afraid of failure. Do not be afraid of being imperfect. Man, we should just celebrate every time someone blows it because they gave it their best effort, and they're learning from it. Yeah, I, I think sometimes people forget that um, when you're 59, you're supposed to be good at something. Because if you're not good at something, you've just wasted your life. You need to be good at something. But give yourself time to get good at something. I set goals like five years ago to be great at certain things when I'm in my 70s. So in my early 50s, I set goals for my 70s. Because I I want to give myself the chance to be bad at certain things so I could keep getting better. So I said, in 25 years, I'm going to be really awesome at this. See, 59 isn't too soon to start learning something new. I just know that I'm not going to be great at it. I'm going to be bad at it, but I'm going to be willing to take the abuse of being bad and the pain to my psyche of not being the best so that I can have future success. What are you building toward that will be your future success? Because if you don't have any failures you don't have any future success coming. All my future success is fueled by my past failures. So, where are you losing your strength? I I think this is interesting. More strength is needed. And you know that phrase, work smarter, not harder? I started thinking, that's kind of true, not always true. Because I find I have to work hard even when I'm working smart. How about you? Like working smarter, not harder, almost feels like I I can just sit down and just like be a brain. (laughs) I'm moving the universe. Actually, you're not. You're not. You're not moving anything, not even a muscle, you know? (laughs) See, everything that I do that looks smarter, I also worked harder. So I'm going, let's just change it just a little bit. Let's let work smarter, harder. Like figure out what it is that you need to know to be good at what you do, to be successful, to accomplish your goals. Yeah, today is really practical. I want you to take on some goals 
and I want you to run after them. I want you to choose some outcomes, and I want you to work toward them. I want you to assume that God wants your success. Look, if you find out that you've got great failures coming ahead, that's okay, because that means that you're going to be learning more than you ever thought. But anyone says, more strength is needed, where are you wasting your strength? So what is sucking life out of you right now? Maybe you need to go back and do a little life assessment. What is sucking the life out of you that you should not be giving your life to? What is taking more strength right now than it did in the past? You know why? Because early on when we give ourselves to something, our passion, our adrenaline just drives us. But then you do it a week, and then another week, then a month, and another month, and then a year, and another year. That, 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 that um, adrenaline begins to disappear, and now it's all about resolve and commitment. And you don't have that same amount of energy that goes at it from the same place. And you have to decide, is this stealing my energy because I'm doing the wrong thing, or is it stealing my energy because I'm doing it the wrong way? Because when the ax is dull, more strength is needed. Uh, I, I've been, um, our son Aaron moved to Venice Beach a couple of, about a month ago. And so I, I, I got his, uh, I got the guest house. It's now my office. And Kim started talking about, oh, we should put a bed in there in case we have like company. They go, no. And so I went fast and hard, you know, and, uh, and I said, <laughs> So I want, I, want, I want my space. I want this space. It's going to be so awesome. And she, so then she starts like gifting me and getting me stuff and making the room so awesome, which is what Kim does. And, and it's, it's epic. But I didn't tell her this. Like, I'm not really good at like, um, I don't know what they call it, like what the specific skill set is, but like nailing things to walls, <laughs> you know, and... And, 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 and so our walls, Kim, we're having, I said, honey, I'm going to need like a construction guy to fill some holes and do some painting. She goes, that room doesn't have any holes and it doesn't need to be painted. This is, was this on the way here today? And it was, or yesterday? Was it last night? I have no sense of chronology. So it was last night. And I didn't want to say to her, well, it may not have had holes, but it has holes. Okay. And, uh. It may not have needed painting, but it needs painting because I, I couldn't figure out like this nail in the hole in the wall thing and it just started, kept opening up and, you know, and then I was like on a Stranger Things episode and there's like another world and I'm like, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm literally finding things and hanging them over where I've damaged things. And Kim's like, I don't know if that goes there. I go, it goes there. Just I take my word for it. It belongs right there. Otherwise, it would be a window. And, uh, so, so I've been trying to like take care of these things. And, and I realize I'm not, I'm not very good at this. This is taking a lot of strength for me because it's not my skill set. There's some things you need to let go of. I, I love how um, last week at Venice, or a couple of weeks ago, Mariah did the offering. She doesn't usually do an offering talk, but she took a moment so she could um, chastise me. And, and she got up there and said, you know, I'm not the first McManus who used to lead worship. My dad used to lead worship here. And he, you know, wrote the early music and had an album out, and, and it was terrible. And, and, uh, and then she said, but my dad one day discovered that communication was his gift and uh, not singing. And, and, you know, I liked music. Anybody here wish they were a musician? 
Man, I want, I want to be Chris Martin so bad. Like, you know, I want to be Bono, uh, you know, just for a day. I just want to be Bono. And, you know, I want to be, you know, I don't know, Bonnier, you know, Bonnevere. Bon and I, want to, I just want to be someone, you know. And, and uh, Kanye, man, I just let me be someone for a day, you know. And, but God never gave me that. But I wanted it. And, uh, but... I remember when I used to lead, I'm going to say this, I don't mean this the way it sounds, um, I used to lead worship, and, uh, but I, I really didn't, I tried. And I would get up there and I would be drenched, I'd be soaking wet from absolute fear. And, and, and I realized, wow, this takes so much work to be bad. <laughs> like, you don't, like you don't know how hard I worked on those walls to destroy them. <laughs> See, there's some things that are going to require too much strength for you because you're not supposed to be doing them. And, and as you grow up, you need to be so self-aware, you know what is just fun for you and what you're actually crafted to do. And you need to have enough people in your life who can look at you and go, you're not good at that, but you're great at this. And, but there's a harder one. See, it's easier almost to hear you're not good at this and you're good at this. You know what's really harder? You could be great at this if you just paid the price. But if you're not willing to pay the price, you're always going to just be average. Because I think that's where the axe hits the bark. Where this is what you're supposed to be doing. But it's going to require really hard work for you to be great. More strength is needed. I'm really practical in this. You should do what accomplishes the most good that requires the least amount of wasted energy. Your strength should be harnessed to always accomplish the most good with your life. And then it says, but skill will bring success. It's so simple, right? But skill will bring success. Be good at it. And you'll have good results. I think we've kind of missed this in a culture of fame. Because let's be honest, some of the most famous people in America are not good at anything. They're just good at being famous. And it's amazing. They, they, in fact, sometimes they do the worst things. The worst behavior made them famous. You're like, is that really what you want to do? Do you want fame or do you want success? Do you want, you want people to look up to you or do you want to actually keep moving up? in your accomplishments, in your dreams, and your vision. See, I, I want to be successful. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to do anything that's unsuccessful. I want everything in my life to be measured by the best in the world. I, 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 I don't want anyone to ever say, well, that's okay because that's good for you. I want people to say, no, this is what the standard is for the best, and we're going to keep aspiring toward that. We should be the best in the world at everything we do. <laughs> So just the last thoughts, like, because to me, a lot of this is really practical. You need to ask yourself, what does success look like if you got there? Because I know this, you will not be successful if you don't know what it looks like. What do you want your life to look like? What do you want your future to look like? What do you want this year to look like? What will make this year a success for you? Because it says, because... Skills will bring success, but, but one other translation says, but wisdom 
will bring success. Because that's what Solomon talks about. In other words, what he's actually saying is, there are things you need to learn if you're going to lead. There are things you need to learn if you're going to succeed. And one of the, I think, the great difficulties in life is that we live in this really fast-paced culture. You just always have to move. You ever feel like you're always behind? Someone else is getting ahead of you? Because someone woke up earlier than you. Someone's staying up later than you. Someone is working harder than you. Someone's thinking faster than you. Can you feel it? There's someone that wants what you want a little bit more than you. And the question is, why? Why should they want it more than you? Why don't you want it more than them? If it's your life, you should want it more than anyone on the planet. But here's the challenge. Moving frantically fast forward is not the way to take the most ground with your life. You know why we let the acts get dull? What can't you do when you're sharpening your axe? You can't swing it at the tree. See, there are times in your life you've got to realize the work I need to do is sharpening who I am rather than just trying to do more at where I'm at. If God wants to do more with your life, he has to make more of you. God needs to sharpen you. He needs to make you the woman that he wants you to be, the man he wants you to be. You know one of the most difficult things in the world? To say, I need to step back and get the skills. I need to step into humility and accept that I don't have all the tools necessary to accomplish the dreams that God has put on my my heart. And the learning process may be the most important place for you to step into in your life. What are the things you need to learn right now that are necessary to go where you long to go? What are the things you need to learn right now that will help you become the man and woman you long to be? If you want to be great at something, do the hard work of learning the skills of greatness. I'm really grateful that early on in my life, I accidentally began reading and being shaped by some of the greatest thinkers in the world. I'm really grateful that somewhere in my journey, people like Michelangelo and da Vinci and Picasso and others began to inspire me. Because I, I look back now and I realize that being inspired by the best in the world set an internal standard in my heart. I said, I want to be inspired by these people. I, I, I want to be a part of that tribe. See, I, I think it's important to be inspired by the Bransons in the world. It would be so easy to go, yeah, but Steve Jobs, you know, he, was, he had all these things wrong. But it's so important to be inspired by the jobs of the world. It's so important to be inspired by the Mandalas and Desmond Tutus. It's so important to be inspired by the men and women who achieve greatness in their field. And then to begin to learn what are the skills that those individuals took on their lives to make them the best in the world. I'll never forget this, and I'll close with this thought. It was when um, Buster Douglas was fighting with Mike Tyson, and he knocked Tyson out, and it was an anomaly. Everyone was shocked. Tyson was the greatest fighter in the world, and he looked invincible, terrifying. And this unknown Buster Douglas knocks him out, 
But then when Douglas came back to defend his title, he was overweight, out of shape, undisciplined, unprepared. And he was defeated soundly, and it was embarrassing. And I heard the sports commentators later describing what happened, and one of them said, why do you think Buster Douglas didn't even try? Why do you think he didn't make the effort to defend his title? And the other analyst said, Buster Douglas is a great human being. They said, in fact, he's a man of deep religious beliefs. He's a Christian. And then they said this, but some people are simply structured for failure. I don't even remember what he said after that. I just started asking myself the question, what are the structures in my life that are structuring me for failure? What are the structures in my life that will structure me for success? I want you to know something. He's right that sometimes we're structured for failure, but that is not your destiny. That may be your condition, but you can change that. There's some of you here, you need to step out of the fear of failure and begin to take on skills for success. There's some of you here, you're already successful. You just need to up your game and stay sharp and ask God to do more in your life and through your life. I don't want anyone to ever say again, that person is a Christian, but they're structured for failure. I want those two phrases to be mutually exclusive. When you have the mind of Christ, you should always be structured for success because you know that God is with you, that God has a calling on your life, and that there's something you must do to make a contribution to the world. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.